week long, I worked on a message different than the one that I am bringing this morning. I had a message called, What is the Gospel? Uh, one that I've been thinking about. And on, I think it was on Thursday, the guys were here cooking a meal, and they were asking how it was coming together. And I said, it's just not, like all the pieces are there, but it's, it's not coming together right. Um, and I also made a comment that usually when that happens, uh, there's something else uh, maybe that I need to, to, to speak to. So I was in here on Thursday working on my message um, and, I'm, and practicing it, uh, the previous message, and I, made the, I, I, made the, I did what all godly pastors do when you hit a block. I started scrolling Facebook. So I, I opened Facebook on my phone and I'm starting to read Facebook as I'm trying to finish this sermon. And I came across a post from a pastor friend of mine uh, about masks and vaccines. And his opinion, uh, stated very passionately, was exactly the opposite of mine. Um, and I didn't, it wasn't a matter of just like not ag agreeing with him. I couldn't fathom how he would come to some of the conclusions that he had come to. I reached out to him privately just to kind of ask some questions and, and, and talk about it, and it, it didn't go real well. Uh, it wasn't a real positive experience. Let me tell you a couple things about this pastor. He really loves Jesus. He cares deeply about people and the gospel. He carefully studies his Bible. But our perspectives were dramatically different. And as I sat there wrestling with that, I found myself asking a question. And the question is, is there anything in Scripture that can help us sort through this? This issue of masks and vaccines, I think, has been on everyone's mind this week. It's been in the news uh, repeatedly. I saw, one, I saw one shot of a school board meeting where there were disagreements over their school's mask policy, and they all ended up in the parking lot screaming at one another. And, I, and one guy was pointing at a guy saying, I know where you live, I'm going to come get you, or something, something to that effect. So I figure if today's sermon ends better than that, we've accomplished something, right? <clears throat> um, so um, <clears throat> that's kind of why I'm, I'm talking about this. Um, I'm concerned about things that I see happening. After almost disappearing, after uh, almost having COVID disappear in Clark County, cases are up by 230% over the last 14 uh, days. So we're adding about 30 cases a day right now in Clark County. Here's a chart uh, that shows what's happening in, in the state of Florida. Um, and you see that, that uh, this is as of Friday, uh, they have more cases now than they did at the, at the height of when we were all back in the middle of it, when it was. And it seems to continue to be going up. Uh, COVID deaths in Florida have jumped from 600 per week to over 1,000. Uh, on Friday, there were 15,440 people in the hospital uh, in Florida for COVID. 3,200 were in intensive care. And in Broward County, 100% of pediatric intensive beds are occupied. And the hospital administrators noting 
that if there's a medical emergency involving a child, right now there aren't ICU beds for that child. So it could be something completely unrelated to COVID. They're just out of beds. And it, it might be tempting to think, well, you can just add beds. But I think the issue that they're having is staffing, is having the staff to work all these beds. So these things concern me. Um, and um, I think it's worth taking a little bit of time and, and talk about, and, and to talk about. So um, let me jump right in. Here, here's the big idea for today's message. Big idea is that the current fight over masks and vaccines is an opportunity to make God and Christianity look good. We can't look like that school board meeting <laughs> um, or like some of the other things you've seen where, where people are at each other and attacking one another over our, our differences in this area. And I think whenever there's something that is, is where there's a lot of conflict, and that's why we talk about these things at Central, I think there's a chance for the church and for Christians to demonstrate compassionate, reasonable, grace-filled behavior with one another. And that's what, I, that's what I'm, I'm hoping um, we will be able to accomplish together. Um, after I decided to address this topic, I called a couple of people in our congregation who see this issue differently than I do, and their feedback was really, really helpful. So I want to thank uh, those individuals for being candid with me and sharing that feedback because I want to be sensitive to people who see this differently than I do. Um, this is not a chance for me to uh, win an argument over, over master vaccines. It's an opportunity to open up Scripture and to say, is there something here that can help us? So here's, here, let me, I, basically what I'm going to do is I have several principles that deal with just how we relate to one another. These are not, now, the title of my message is Jesus, Paul, Vaccines, and Masks. I picked that because when people see it online, lots of people will click on it. Um, but really, Jesus and Paul didn't say anything about vaccines and masks. Uh, but they gave us some principles, and I think the principles are helpful. So we walk through some principles for how we deal with each other. I'm going to share three principles for how we relate to our government, and then a couple of practical suggestions. Here's the first principle for how we relate to one another in, in the midst of this debate over vaccines and masks. Um, our reputation depends upon love and unity. The Gospel of John, John wrote, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. A couple of chapters later in John 17, this is Jesus praying, and I, I love this prayer. I love this passage, John 17, 20 to 23. It says, my, my, listen to this first verse. My prayer is not for them alone. He was praying for the disciples. I pray also for, for those who will believe in me through their message. So here's Jesus praying for us. He said, I'm not just praying for the disciples. I'm praying for everyone who eventually believes in me through their message. I'm praying that all of them may be one, just as, the Father, just as you uh, are in me and I am in you. Uh, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the, the oneness that is to characterize the body of Christ as we work our way through this issue 
is the same oneness that exists in the Trinity. That's what the passage says. It is just as God the Father gets along with Jesus the Son, we're supposed to be getting along with each other. That's a pretty high standard, isn't it? Um, but that's what, that's what John is saying. Um, uh, that they may be one as we are one, I and them uh, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The world will know that God has sent us if we continue to love one another in, in the midst of these disagreements. And it's good to know that Jesus prayed for us, right? This is, could be hard to do. There are a lot of strong emotions here. But Jesus prayed for us in this area that we would be known for our unity. And divisions among Christians give people the opportunity to reject Christ. When people see the body of Christ at, at each other's throat, that gives them excuse. Say, I don't want anything to, to do with that. Let me jump ahead to the next principle. Uh, the next principle is that our speech needs to be filled with humility and grace. So we need to be very careful how we talk to one another about these topics. And I think these topics are especially volatile um, because they have personal consequences. I mean, we, we can debate other topics, but, but this topic has to do with the health of our families. So we feel really strongly about it. It makes it hard. But our, our speech needs to be filled with humility and grace. Uh, we need to constantly re, re, be reminding ourselves that we have been wrong on issues that we felt strongly about in the past. Uh, we may be wrong on, on, on this one. So there needs to be a level of graciousness and humility as we engage people who think differently on this topic. Ephesians 4 verse 2 said, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And the word bearing is an interesting word in that verse. In that, in that verse. You don't use the word bearing to describe something that's going to be easy. So, so, so the verse is kind of implying that I know at times it's going to be hard to bear with one another, but be completely and humble as you do it. In 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, Finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. So what do you do if, if, if someone insults you? Uh, you respond with a, a blessing. That's not easy to do, is it? Uh, but in, instead of like these, these escalating series of insults, that don't accomplish anything, we are to be blessing one another. Uh, in Colossians 4, verses 5 through 6, it says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So, even when we disagree, and when we disagree strongly, over these issues, the conversations that take place among us should look completely different than those occurring outside of Christian community. Lots of humility, lots of grace. 
Here's the third principle. We can disagree, but we shouldn't judge. By the way, I'm preaching to myself on this message. I mean, these are things that I need to be reminded of. These are things that I have struggled with and continue to struggle with. Um, third principle is we can disagree, but we shouldn't judge. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, that's uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Judging is, is not when we disagree. Um, judging is when we, make, when we make moral assessments of a person's character because we disagree with them. We, we are, we're looking down on them and holding them in contempt because they have an opinion different than ours. So we can still have strong disagreements. Disagreements are not going to, this sermon is not going to erase every disagreement uh, that exists around this issue or, or even in this congregation. Um, but we need to be careful to, to assume the best of one another and not to judge people when we disagree. And that takes, uh, uh, it, 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 it's really important that we spend time talking to people who see this differently. Or we can live in, in echo chambers where it feels like, like we all tend to, tend to agree. Let me read a passage from um, math, for, excuse me, Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 13. This is also about judging. Uh, Paul says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Paul talks about this, this idea, and, and they, were having, they were having big disagreements. Uh, the, the big disagreement that's brewing in the background, uh, in, in this case, is that some of them thought it was perfectly acceptable to go down and to buy meat that had already been sacrificed to an idol somewhere, and some of them thought that was the horrible thing to do. It was a strong disagreement that forms the, the, the context for that advice. Then what Paul, and this leads to our next principle, Paul goes directly from talking about not judging to thinking about how our decisions affect others. So fourth principle in how we relate to one another is we need to be thinking about how our decision affects the people around us. And I think we need to do that on two levels. We need to think about the people who are immediately around us and how our decisions may affect them, uh, whether we decide to wear masks or not wear masks, get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. And I think we also need to think on a, on a larger scale. Um, how do our decisions, as we make them all together collectively, affect our ability to get past this virus um, and, to, and to get to the point where we're not having to deal with it? But the decisions we make about masks and about vaccines have some bearing on that, and we need to be thinking about that. Uh, in Romans Paul goes on in Romans to say, instead, instead of judging each other, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. So he's talking about meat, uh, eating, he's talking about a variety of things that Christians disagreed on. They were disagreeing about meat, they were disagreeing about how to celebrate holidays, 
they were disagreeing about what to do on the Sabbath. There were a number of things they were disagreeing on. And, and Paul says, um, it, it's not just the matter that you are talking about. There are bigger issues going on here um, that are important. And don't be distressing one another over them. He says, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you are doing, you are no longer acting in, in love. So you need to be acting in love toward one another. If our actions are distressing people, we need to be aware of that. Um, and we should uh, not do things that, that uh, the passage ends by saying that cause our brother or sister to, to fall. Um, In, in this area of considering how our decisions affect others, there's one person I was talking to this week who has decided not, not to be vaccinated. Um, but I thought this was a good example of being considerate of how that affects others. They were going out and being tested frequently uh, several times during the week to make sure that they were being careful not to spread it to someone else. So even though that person made a decision different than the one I would make on vaccines, there's still evidence there's a person who's being careful and thoughtful and is aware that that decision affects others and are, are doing things that are inconvenient um, to, be, to be mindful of that. That was encouraging to me. Fifth principle is we should be at peace with each other as much as it is possible. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Romans 14 uh, verses 19 through 22 says, let us, make, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We need, on, on both sides of this issue, we need to have a high commitment to peace and to mutually building one another, one another up. I love Romans 12, verse 18 because of its realism. Um, Romans 12, verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, so Paul is, is, is kind of acknowledging there are some people you can't live at peace with. And there may be some people you need to like disengage with on these issues because it is impossible to have a helpful conversation. And that is especially true on social media, is that, that things can spiral out of control and it may be better just to... Uh, to uh, back out of some of those contexts because it's impossible to have a, a peaceful exchange. So those are some principles that, that relate to just how we deal with one another, and they certainly extend beyond this, but I think they apply to this. And things that I, I hope will be helpful to us, I know that they, some of them have been convicting to me um, in, in the way that I think and that I, that I behave. Now I'm going to move to the next section, and it is how we relate to our government. Um, so the, the pastor that I was reacting to um, was, was striking a very anti-government, we're going to fight the government kind of tone. Um, so I started thinking, is there anything in the, did, did Jesus say anything, or did Paul, or anyone in the New Testament, did they say anything that can help us sort through this part of the equation? How do we deal with our government when we may disagree with them? So three principles. Number one is we should be praying for those who are making decisions that affect us. I, hope, I would like for all of you to put Charlie Patterson on your, your prayer list. Charlie's our, our Clark County Health Commissioner. Uh, put he and his team on your prayer list. They have had a tremendous...
tremendous challenge for the last year and a half. They were working around the clock. Um, so we need to pray for, for people like him and for anyone in government who is making decisions that affect the rest of us. The passage in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. I don't think there's anyone here who would disagree that we want to live peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and holiness, right? Um, so that's one thing we need to be doing is praying that decisions will be made that help that to happen. And it's really helpful for me to pray that when I don't know what the right answer is. Um, but to pray in that manner. I think the next, let me just give you a, a warning. I think the next two points are going to be the hardest ones for people who see this uh, differently than I do. So I want to kind of warn you about that and just ask you to bear with me as we, we move through this. Um, the next point is that we should submit to the government in areas that don't compromise the gospel. Uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 17 says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love uh, the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Um, It's so much easier to do this when the emperor that you like is the one who is in office. Just kind of throw that out as, as a caveat. This applies all the time. Um, it, it's really easy to do when we agree with the decisions that are being made. It's a lot harder to do when we disagree with the decisions that are being made. But the passage doesn't provide an out there. It doesn't say, if you agree with what they're, they're saying, do this. Um, does, doesn't give us that. Doesn't give us that that out. Um, Romans 13 verse 1 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now let me, I want to talk a little bit about who these authorities are. Um, are these good guys or are these bad guys? Um, on another occasion in 1 Corinthians, Paul refers to those very same authorities like this. He says, you are the ones who killed our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's not talking about good authorities. <laughs> he, he's talking about, about having a spirit of submission to some people who were horrible, horrible, evil people. They were imprisoning Christians. They were exiling Christians. Um, one commentary said, one might expect Paul to stir up fervor for Rome's overthrow or at least to wait anxiously for God to, to rain down fire and brimstone on them for the, and their minions, but there is none of that. Instead, he calls for submission. Now, here's a caveat. This can be abused. This has been abused. Um, there are people who have used this verse to, like, bludgeon people into doing things that they agree with. For example, there's a guy... Uh, named uh, Edward VI, was, was a king in England and was having a fight with a church over, over some issue. They had some beautiful artwork painted on, on the walls of the church, just gorgeous artwork. Edward VI went in and painted over it and then painted the words to Romans 13, verse 1, on the wall of the church, submit to the, to the government. Um, so this can be abused. 
I think that there are occasions not to submit. Um, Paul, who wrote this passage, didn't always submit. Um, there were times he was told, don't, don't. He was let out of prison and said, don't go out and share the gospel. He walked out and immediately started sharing the gospel. So I, I do think there are times when, when civil disobedience is, is appropriate. Um, uh, but the, nonetheless, the passage is, is there. Um, and there, there, there are two reasons embedded in the passage for why Paul says we should submit. Number one is there's a theological reason. Uh, Paul says the authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And then there's also a practical reason, and the practical reason is submit to the government so you don't get punished, is basically what, what he says. Um, the, the challenge is figuring out what it means to submit to the government, isn't it? Um, and I don't think that this means that you have to agree with them on everything. I don't think that it means that if they give a suggestion, you have to necessarily follow the, the suggestion. But I, I think that if push comes to shove and, and we are told something, I, don't th I think it goes against the words of Paul, and I'm going to share some words of Jesus in just a minute, if we strike a very militant anti-government, I'm not going to do this, um, I don't care what you have to say. I, I don't think the New Testament supports that stance. Um, <clears throat> one, uh, I, I, in watching this conversation on Facebook, kind of the way that it was unfolding, it was mostly about masks. It was more about masks than vaccines. Um, and, and I hate wearing masks. They make my glasses fog up. Uh, I don't enjoy, enjoy wearing them. Um, but the, the, the point he was making on Facebook is this is government overreach. This is, way, this is asking way too much. Government has no right to ask a person to do something like this. Therefore, I don't have to live by this principle of submitting to the government. It was kind of the argument that was taking place on Facebook. And the, at least the third principle, and that is that Jesus told us to go the extra mile to comply with what is asked of us. This is Matthew 5, verse 41. If someone asks you to go with him one mile, go with him two miles. Let me tell you the context for that, that verse, because in a lot of ways that verse doesn't make a lot of sense. To, like, like who, who's going to come along and ask you to go a mile with them? Is this your buddy asking you to go for a walk? So like if Kevin comes and asks me to go for a walk, do I have to go for a two-mile walk with Kevin? That's not what this is about. What this is about is when, when this was written, the Roman soldiers were allowed to pick anyone off the street, any Jew, any Christian, and say, you have to carry my backpack and my weapons for one mile. You could conscript a person to carry your load for you for a mile. And, and, and this is in a context where Jesus is talking about how do we deal with people who feel like our enemies? When it feels like I'm up against my enemy, what do, I, what do I do? And what, what Jesus said is, instead of resisting and, and fighting and, and picking a big fight, when you get to the end of the mile, just keep on going. Go, go an extra mile for, for the sake of unity and for the sake of peace and for the sake of um, 
you know, not drawing down the, the, the ire of the Roman Empire uh, upon you. I think there's a practical, uh, some practical nature to what Jesus was saying. But that's, that's asking a lot. <laughs> I mean, to, 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 to be able to ask someone to carry, so, so the Romans were oppressing the people of Christ. They were oppressing the Jews. They were, they were killing them. They were imprisoning them. They were the enemies uh, of these people. And yet they could come and say, carry my load. And Jesus gives us this advice. And I think it's to each of us to, to I'm not going to tell you exactly how to figure that out in your case. Um, we all have to do that. But you have to wrestle with that principle. Whatever you decide to do on this, on this matter, um, you, you have to think through, how do I honor the words of Jesus as it applies to this, especially since Jesus was specifically talking about a situation where the government is asking people to do something they didn't really want to do. Uh, let me close with some practical, three practical suggestions. Number one, make the best decision you can for your family, but don't forsake worshiping together. Not everyone is going to make the same decision on, on this issue. So make the very best decision that you can make, um, but you gotta, we got to stay connected with one another. And I was, I was thinking particularly of families, we have a number of families who have not come back yet because they are concerned, because their children can't get vaccines. So they are, are watching from home and have not been back yet. Um, and I can respect that decision that they are making. But my, my challenge to them is if, if you decide to handle it in that way, make sure you don't lose contact with people. Make sure that you are continuing to worship. Make sure that you are continuing to engage with your church family even during this time where you're making a decision to, to stay home because you feel that's what is, is best for your kids. And again, I, I respect that decision. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing, um, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. We need to stay connected and be encouraging one another especially in light of the challenge that we're in. Here's the next principle, next practical suggestion. So how do we do this? If within our church family, we have people who think differently on this issue and, think, and have very strong feelings about it, how do, we, uh, how do we stay connected? Next principle is you stay focused on things that are of greater importance. The way you remain unified is you identify things that are more important than the current crisis that we are in, and you keep those things in mind. It's a great example of unfolds among Jesus and the disciples. Jesus picked 12 disciples to, to help uh, carry out his mission, and, and two are particularly interesting. One was a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector for the Roman government. He worked for the Roman government collecting exorbitant taxes from fellow Jews. Alongside him is a guy named Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot, Zealots were committed to the military overthrow of Rome. 
They wanted the Jews to rise up, arm themselves, and overthrow the Roman government. So you've got this one guy who works for the Roman government. You've got another guy committed to military, the military overthrow of the Roman government. And they're disciples. They're side by side ministering with Jesus Christ because there are larger issues at stake in terms of sharing the gospel and, and, and serving the kingdom, caring for the poor, all those types of things. And then here's the last principle. We need to constantly remind ourselves that God has a plan and that it will prevail. God has this. That's not a, an excuse to, to be careless, um, but it's true. God knows exactly how this is going to end. And He has a plan that is designed to bless us, to bring out what is good for us. And, and when we are stressed, and when we are angry, and when we feel like dividing and, and, and going separate ways, we need to remember uh, that God has this, and He is in control, and that our task is to trust Him and to point people toward Jesus. Let me close with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, <clears throat> uh, we come humbling ourselves and asking for Your help. We come admitting that we disagree on uh, some of these issues that we have talked about, and, and some may disagree very strongly. We ask You to help us. Help us to, to continue loving each other. Help us to stay united with one another. Help us to advance the kingdom together. Help us to continue serving together. Uh, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would help us to make wise decisions. Lord, I pray you'd help us to make wise decisions as individuals. Help us to make wise decisions as a church. Uh, we need your help. We need you to guide us, and we ask you to do that. Father, I pray that you would uh, get us to the point where we are past uh, this pandemic and where uh, we're no longer having to face the consequences and, and deal with it. Lord, I pray that you would get our nation to that point, get our community to that point. Lord, be with those who are infected right now. Father, I pray for people who are, are health care providers right now, and I know that many of them are, 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 are burned out and exhausted and discouraged and if this feels like adding a, uh, a sprint at the end of a marathon, just when they thought this was over, now they have another wave of, of patients coming their way. And we ask that you would uh, strengthen and sustain them. Um, Father, lead us as a church for the glory of your name and for your kingdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.